0: Well, I just want to greet you, friends. My name is Brian, and I'm one of the pastors at Walnut Hill Community Church. And it's great to be able to share God's Word with you. I just want you to know that we're praying for you. We love you. Keep going in this challenging season. Uh, Let's encourage one another in this very unique season that we're in. And let's continue to press in to the Lord. This is not just a season where we're losing different things. This is a season to gain. It's not just a season to distance. It's a season to deepen our relationship with the Lord. And so I just want to call you to that. You know, we are continuing on in our sermon series that we're calling Red Letters. These are the words of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. And today marks Palm Sunday. So welcome to Palm Sunday Whenever I think about Palm Sunday, I think about Jesus marching into Jerusalem as he rides in. He's going on his journey to the cross as we approach Easter. And when I think about Palm Sunday, I think about several things, but I really focus on the faithfulness of God. It's amazing the length that the Lord has gone for each and every one of us. As he rides into Jerusalem, he's riding into the cross. He's he's going towards the cross to die for our sins. We're reminded of how our God is faithful to us. And I hope that you're experiencing the faithfulness of God even in a season like this one. Think about the length that Jesus went for you and for me. When I think about Palm Sunday, I think about the grace of God. How none of us deserve it. None of us have earned it. But we are saved, we are redeemed, we are restored because of what Jesus has done for each and every one of us. Let's just worship the Lord today uh, because of his amazing grace on each and every one of us. You know, probably the most famous song, uh, Christian song that's ever been written is the song called Amazing Grace. It was written by John Newton in 1772. And the story behind this song makes it even more compelling, even more meaningful. You know, before 1772, when John wrote this song, he was actually a slave ship master. His job was to bring slaves from Africa to England. Later in his life, he would admit that he even treated these slaves very harshly. But on one trip, as he was traveling, he he became so seasick that he was near his death. And it was in this point where he really reached out to the Lord and asked the Lord to give him a, a second chance, that if the Lord would save him, redeem him, heal him, that he'd give his whole life to the Lord. And this is what the Lord did. He, he, he survived through this storm, and, and John Newton gave his life to Jesus in that moment. He stopped his work as a slave ship master, and he began actually as an instrumental part of ending slavery. He would join forces with William Wilberforce, and then this is when he wrote the song Amazing Grace, reflecting on how God had amazing grace in his life, even though he didn't deserve it, even though he didn't earn it. And now this song is sung by Christians across the globe because it's our story as well. It describes every follower of Jesus, what we've received. We have received amazing grace. And today, we're looking at Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. And really, this is a story from Jesus. It's what's called the parable, a story that Jesus tells. And, and the point behind it is this. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I wonder today, do you feel lost? Do you feel far away from God? Well, I've been praying that today would be a day where each of us might experience this amazing Grace, and that we might experience Jesus, that we might once again turn to Him. As we look at this passage, I just want to share three things as we look at it. Three things that this parable, this story that Jesus tells, is really about. The first thing is this this parable, this story is about knowing when we are lost. We see this in verse four, in the beginning of verse four. Now, let me tell you a story to start our sermon off. Um, Uh, friends of mine were in the mall. I'm not going to give you their actual names. Let's just call them Josh and Sarah. Josh and Sarah were in the mall with their family. They have three children. And their parents were there too. And so these kids' grandparents were with them. They were just shopping, having a good time in the mall. And All of a sudden, one of them looked down and noticed that little Timmy, who was four years old, was gone. And so I think it was Sarah, asked Josh, Josh, do you have Timmy? And Josh said, no, I thought you had Timmy. They went back and forth a little bit, but Timmy was lost. You can imagine as a parent, maybe you've even had this experience of losing your child, This the the feeling of of, of just not knowing where they are. So they decided that they were going to disperse. They're going to look in different places. My friend Josh went out to the car. One of them went the upper level. One of them went on the lower level, looking all over for their son, Timmy. Josh went out to the car and and Timmy wasn't there. They searched for a while and then they all came back to their meeting place and and they, they, they found out none of them had found Timmy. But all of a sudden they saw Grandpa coming from a distance with Timmy in his hand. Just imagine the stress that was relieved in that moment. Think about the relief, the excitement, the celebration that Timmy had been found. Where was Timmy? They asked, Grandpa, where was he? Where did you find him? Well, Timmy was in the candy store, completely unaware that he was lost. He wasn't crying. He wasn't upset. In fact, he was in his happy place, looking at all the different candy, deciding which candy he wanted to purchase, completely unaware. Friends, I wonder, have you ever been lost and you didn't know it? This is really what this story is about that Jesus tells. Let me give you some background, some context to it. Jesus was teaching, and while he was teaching, there were tax collectors, and in Scripture it says there were notorious sinners there learning from Jesus. We know from the Gospels as we read about the life of Jesus, he was very comfortable in, in the company of sinners. Jesus didn't have a problem with this at all. But there were some Pharisees there and some religious leaders, some teachers of the law who were there, and they had a real problem, that Jesus was in the company of these notorious sinners. And so Jesus decides to tell a story about a lost sheep. You see, these Pharisees, these religious leaders thought Jesus shouldn't be in the company of these great sinners because these sinners were were lost. They would corrupt Jesus. But Jesus tells them the story to say, listen, actually... You're the ones who are lost. You're the ones who have taken your eyes off the Lord. And so Jesus tells this great story about a lost sheep who was probably unaware of its lostness as well, as the sheep just went grazing from one pasture to the next. This was the sheep's candy store, just continuing to eat grass. And then without looking up, it's lost, completely unaware. I wonder for some of us today if we're lost, but we're lost unaware. You know, what does it mean to be lost? Because I think actually when we learn biblically what lostness means, it might be different than what's in your mind right now. Let me share some insight about what it means to be lost. First, lost does not mean forgotten. This is really important. Lost does not mean forgotten. You know, oftentimes when we lose something, we forget about it. I remember when we moved a couple years ago, we were taking all the furniture and putting it into the moving truck, and when we did that, there was a watch behind my dresser. And I have to be honest with you, I had forgotten that I even owned that watch. It had probably been sitting there for years. It fell underneath the dresser, and I completely forgot about it. But this is not what what happens when the Lord sees us. When we go into a position of lost, uh, we're not forgotten by the Lord. The second thing I want to share with you about lostness is this, is that lost does not mean disowned. You know, to disown something means to refuse connection with it. this This is not what the Lord does for each and every one of us when we're lost. He doesn't disown us. He doesn't refuse connection with us. No, his heart breaks that we're lost. So what does lost mean? A couple things I'll share here. When I look at scripture about what it means to be lost, I see that lost means out of sight. What, I mean, what do I mean by that? It's not that God has lost sight of us, but actually we've lost sight of him. And when we lose sight of God, we are lost. It's when we lose sight of our need for God. It's when we lose sight of of the presence of God. It's when we lose sight of our identity in God. It's when we lose sight of our mission with God. This is when we are lost, when we lose sight of God in our life. So how does this happen? How do we become lost? You know, I played for a Walnut Hill softball team about six years ago, and uh, we no longer have the team because we were that bad. We were that bad. It was a really bad witness for the gospel. So we decided not to play anymore. But when we played, they would put me in the outfield. And I never liked the outfield because what would usually happen is we'd we'd play like midday on a Saturday and a pop fly would come and I'd look up and and I'd always find the sun. And I'd lose the ball in the sun and then the ball would drop to the ground and it was really embarrassing. But when my eye focused on the sun, I, I lost sight of the ball. And this is how we lose sight of God as well, friends, is when we focus on something else, we begin to lose our attention on God. So Timmy was blinded by the candy. His parents were out of sight because he became, became blinded to the candy in front of him. For the Pharisees, for the religious leaders, they were blinded by the, the law. This is what their attention was on. You had to obey the law, that they lost sight of the God who gave them the law. And we can become blinded as well when we place anything above the Lord. We can easily become blinded to him. It's like this sheep who was lost. He put his head down and he began to graze and then he moved on a few steps, continued to graze, his head still down, never looking up to see where his shepherd was. And all of a sudden, he could have been miles away, unaware. Let me say the last thing I want to say about being lost, and this was an insight to me that was new. It was almost like a revelation that the Lord brought me to. But as you study in the New Testament these different stories and parables where Jesus talks about being lost, you quickly learn that lost means loved. Lost means loved. In Luke 15, there are three stories that Jesus tells about the lost. And they are famous stories, one of a lost sheep, one of a lost coin, and one of a lost son. In all of these stories, the Lord loves each of these things so much that he searches for them. The shepherd searches for the sheep. The woman searches for the coin. The father runs to the son when he returns. It's this posture of loving the lost, Friends, lost means loved. Even when we become blinded to the things of God, even when we wander away from him, we don't wander out of his love. Our God loves us deeply. I wonder, are you lost? This is a really tough question to ask, isn't it? No one wants to be considered lost. Nobody wants that. It's really hard for us to admit when we're lost. When we're driving, we hate to admit, oh no, I know exactly where I'm going. You would hate to say at your workplace, "I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> Nobody likes to be considered to being lost." But I think it's a sobering question and an important one. In this season where things are being taken from us, where we're being given more time, this gift of time, to ask ourselves the question, "Am I lost?" Or maybe to put it in a different way, in, in, in light of this new definition of lost, I wonder, have you lost sight of God? Have you been focusing on something else? This might be you, and if so, I have good news for you today. Really good news for you. And that good news starts with us talking about the shepherd in this story. So the second thing I want to share with you is this, is that this parable, this story, is about the work of the good shepherd. Jesus tells a story, there's this one sheep that goes astray, it's, it's lost, But the shepherd goes and finds it, puts it on his shoulders, and and carries it home. What are some of the lessons that we learn about the shepherd? And of course, the shepherd here refers to Jesus, to our Lord. What are some things that we learn? The first thing that we learn about our good shepherd is this, is that he cares about the one. Listen to these words. This is how Jesus starts the story. He says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? Now listen, as people are listening to this question, they would have a response to it. Jesus is saying, listen, if one sheep goes, all the 99 are still here, but just one goes, wouldn't that shepherd go and find the one? You see, most people in the first century who knew about shepherding would say, no, he wouldn't go and seek out that one. In fact, it was very natural, it was, it was likely that a shepherd would lose a sheep every once in a while. There were a lot of predators out there. That's not a big deal. Listen, if you came back and said, listen, I started with 100, but now I have a 99, that's a really good percentage. You're batting really well. You are an excellent shepherd. Don't go run off and try to get that one. If you go do that, what you'll probably do is return to an empty pen with one on your shoulders. So let it go. It's okay. But here Jesus is explaining something really radical about his kingdom, really radical about who he is, about who God is to us, that he cares so much about the one that he went at his own cost to save it, to redeem it. Jesus makes it clear that this shepherd goes after the one. For Jesus, every sheep counts to God. Every person counts matters to God. You know, I, I've been a pastor for nearly 20 years, and I've had the privilege of, of walking with different people and hearing their testimonies and their stories, and I want to share three of them with you today that just articulate and prove the fact that our God goes after the one. John is a, a high-powered executive. He spent most of his life climbing the corporate ladder, and that cost him greatly. It cost his family, it cost a lot of his time, Uh, it cost many of his friendships as he tried to position himself for higher positions. But eventually he became a CEO, but he lost a lot through the process. His wife was a strong Christian and prayed for him every single day. There's this one moment where his, his wife was praying and the Lord was really specific with her. And, and the Lord said to her, listen, I'm going to do something in John's life today that's going to change everything. He needs to be looking for me. Tell him to be looking for me. She thought this was a little bit bizarre, but she obeyed and she went to her husband John and said, hey, listen, John, you might see, feel like this is really crazy, but as I was praying for you today, the Lord told me that he's going to do something for you today to make himself known. Look for him. John thought it was a bit crazy but he kept his eyes open. At 1 p.m. on schedule, John went to his office mailbox to see what mail had come in for him. And he pulled out several letters. And in there, as he sat at his desk, there was a letter from his granddaughter, handwritten. All it said on the inside was this, Grandpa, God loves you. Love Lucy. When John tells this story, he begins to tear up in this moment. His wife went to the Lord and the Lord said that he's gonna reveal himself to him. And then on that day at 1 p.m., he opened this letter from his granddaughter, from the mouth of babes, just reminding him that God loved him. John gave his life to Jesus a few days after that and he's a powerful man of God today. But he looks back at that moment and he says, I can't believe that God cared so much about me. But friends, God does because every sheep counts. Dan is a war vet. He's done five tours. He grew up in the church, always believed in God. He even has a tattoo of Isaiah 41 verse 10. Isaiah 41 verse 10. It's on his forearm. But since his last tour, he began to doubt, where is God in all of this? Is God really real? Dan has good days and he has dark days. Just when Dan was about to give up on God, he he decided to say one last prayer. And he he went to the Lord and he said, God, if you're real, please show yourself to me. A bold prayer. That day, he was invited to join his nephew's school class because it was Veterans Day. He was asked to come in and, and share a bit of his story. It was a Christian school, so they read scripture each and every day. And so on this day, as Dan went in, the teacher actually asked Dan to read the scripture verse for the day. Dan agreed. He was handed a piece of paper with the scripture verse on it, and he began to read. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 41 verse 10. Dan began to weep. He showed the students his tattoo that said Isaiah 41, verse 10. He tells me that story to this day, and he begins to weep because he can't believe that God would care that much for him. But he does. Why? Because every sheep counts. Jennifer was uh, addicted to heroin, she had stolen from her parents, from her friends, to keep her habit alive. She had walked all over her friendships, took advantage of them. Almost of every person she knew, she knew. People tried to help her, but she would hurt them. She tried several rehab programs, but, but nothing lasted. One day, the church that she was connected to was hosting a concert in the evening. And if you went to the concert, you got a free dinner. So she decided that she would go because she wanted the free dinner. The concert was put on by a choir. And the choir was a group of men and women in a program called Teen Challenge. This was a drug and alcohol rehabilitation program, a Christian-based program. In between the songs, a number of the men and women shared their testimony of how Jesus had saved their lives. These were powerful testimonies about how Jesus helped them out of addiction Jennifer was so moved by this. She entered the program that night. She wanted to meet this Jesus guy and she did. Today, she helps run her local teen challenge and she cannot believe that God never gave up on her, but he didn't. Why? Because every sheep matters. Every person matters to God. And we all have this story too, don't we? because every sheep counts. Let me share a few more things about the shepherd. In verse five, I love it, says this, and when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. In this one passage, there are four critical lessons about the shepherd. The first is this, our shepherd, he is a great rescuer. I love how it says this about the lost sheep and when he has found it. It's not difficult for Jesus to find us, He doesn't quarrel over it. He doesn't struggle over it. He can find us. Our God is a great rescuer. He's not worried about whether he will be able to find us or not. If you want rescuing, he will come and get you. The second thing I I learned from this is it says, and when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home. You know, sometimes I think that when we're found by God, that he's going to come with anger and wrath. You know, my family and I, we just got a a puppy. I'm gonna show you a picture of him. This is him at four months. His name is Little Bear, but uh, he's gonna be about 120 pounds. He's a Merima sheepdog. He lives outside. That's why there's dirt on his nose. But here's the thing about Little Bear. He, He lives behind the fence, but every once in a while when we open the gate, he'll sneak out and he loves running over to the neighbor's yard because there's another dog over there. It's actually his sister. So he loves going over there but I hate when he goes over there. I don't like when he goes over there and he runs over and he knows not to go over there. He knows it. So usually I walk over, I march over and while I'm marching over, I'm I'm thinking to myself, oh, this dog, he's gonna get it. I'm gonna teach him a lesson and I go over and I grab him by the scruff of the neck, you know, very patiently and all this kind of stuff and I drag him back home. And sometimes I think, friends, we think this is the way that our God responds to us when we're lost, when we go astray. That he's going to come and he's going to want to grab us by the scruff of the neck. He's going to want to display his anger and his wrath upon us. But that's not what we learn. Listen to what scripture says. And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. Friends, if you've wandered away from the Lord and you want to return, just know that if you do return, you're going to return to a God who joyfully receives you. The next lesson that we learned here is this, is that he lifts us on his shoulders. I want you to picture this shepherd lifting this lost sheep on his shoulders. Imagine this sheep just worn out without strength because it's wandered so far away from the flock. Yet the shepherd comes and, and lifts the, shepherd up, the sheep up and puts it on his shoulders. I love this picture because this is the picture of what Jesus does for us when we feel worn out. He comes and he he picks us up, puts us on his shoulders. When we think that we can't overcome the obstacle, he comes and he finds us, he saves us, he rescues us. He picks us up and puts us on his shoulders, lifting the sheep up out of its current place and walking it into its new place. This is what the Lord does for us. He lifts us out of our lostness and brings us into a position of being found. He meets us in our addiction and he lifts us out. He meets us in our loneliness and he lifts us out. He meets us in our despair and our worry and our anxiety. He lifts us out. He, he meets us in our pride and he lifts us out. He meets us in our anger and he lifts us out. He meets us in our distrust. and He lifts us out and he puts us on his shoulders and he carries us. He knows we don't have the strength to move out on our own, so he puts us on his shoulders. The last thing that we learn about this shepherd is this, is that he carries us home. I love that here. It says he carries us home with with purpose. He brings us to where we belong. And when we return to Jesus, when we repent and turn to him and give him our life, this good shepherd brings us to where we belong, into our rightful identity, into our rightful mission, into our rightful purpose, to the place that we belong in fellowship with him. The third thing that this story is about is this. It's about the blessing of being found. I love how at the end of this story, the sheep is now found. And there are a couple of things I wanna share with you here in this is this, is that being found means experiencing God's grace. This is what it means to be found is that we experience the grace of God. You know, the sheep didn't really do anything here. It wasn't because the sheep figured out some algorithm and just follow this algorithm or this checklist, and then God would be pleased enough so he'll come and rescue it. The sheep didn't do any of that. All the sheep did was get found and then surrender to the shepherd picking it up, accepting the shepherd picking it up and carrying it home. This is what the sheep did. It was through grace alone that the sheep was saved in the same way it's through grace alone that we are found. I love how the apostle Paul says it in Ephesians 2 verse 8 it says for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves it is the gift of God not by works so that no one can boast. You know friends I think some of you probably need to hear that not by works are you found. Not by works. You know, as I was thinking about this, I just had this strong sense that the Lord wanted me to communicate something to you. And this is it. You know, oftentimes we, we talk about accepting Jesus, but actually there's something much deeper than that. We, we should surrender to Jesus. We should follow Jesus. We should commit our life to him. Don't just accept him. You know, don't just believe him. You know, we, we need to follow him with all of our hearts. And so, so I think what the Lord wanted me to, to address you with, with all of us today, with is this, is that we need to accept grace and follow Jesus. If we're going to accept something, accept grace, that it's done by grace that you are saved, not by your works, not by your planning, but because God has extended his grace to you. And once you experience this grace, now begin to follow Jesus with your whole heart. The second thing I want to share with you about the blessing of being found is this, is that being found brings rejoicing. I love how in this story Jesus says that when the shepherd arrives home carrying this sheep on his shoulders, he gathers all of his friends, all of his neighbors and says, everybody gather around, gather around. And they begin to celebrate and rejoice over the fact that this lost sheep had been found. You know, I want to ask the question, what was so exciting about this? Why was it so exciting? Why why was there this great celebration when the sheep was returned home? Two things. Friends, when we return to the Lord, when we come back to Him, when we're, when we're found, we celebrate because what we have been rescued from. But I think even more than that, we celebrate because of what we've been rescued into. You know, when we're found, we've been rescued into a personal relationship with the Lord. You know, I think a lot of us daydream about having a relationship with with other people. Wow, man, if I could just know this sports hero or, or this famous actor or this hero in my life, wow, that'd be amazing. If I could just have a relationship with them, just imagine that, my whole life would change. I don't know if there's much truth in that. But here's the thing, you can have a personal relationship with the Lord and that's what changes everything. This is why we celebrate when somebody turns to the Lord because they have a personal relationship with him. I want to tell you a story about the reality of of God in our lives. And this is a story that really just kind of reminds us of how God is moving, He's active, and how we can have a personal relationship with Him. It's a story about my wife, Becca, and my oldest daughter, McKenna. Becca was really led to pray for each of our girls. I have four girls, and uh, she was praying for each of them and asking the Lord to give her a word for each of them, an encouraging word for each of them. And then the Lord gave my wife Becca a word for each of them. For McKenna, uh, Becca received a scripture verse. It was Joshua 1.9. Now at this point in the story, you could say, ah, she she made that up. You know, she just, it was her own thoughts. It wasn't God. But as I tell the remainder of the story, you're going to see how it was actually God moving and how God was making himself known. So it was a Sunday morning, and, and Becca received this word, Joshua 1.9, and she planned to share it with McKenna after church on Sunday. So we went to church, and, and McKenna went to her youth group's time, and, and then we gathered in the minivan after church, and we were on our way home. McKenna said to, to us, we were sitting in the front seats of the van, and she said, "'Guess what? Pastor Greg gave me a new journal.'" as a gift. We're like, wow, that's amazing. And she said, and there's a scripture verse right on the front cover, and it's a, it's a wonderful scripture verse. It's Joshua 1.9. Be strong and courageous. Can you believe it? In that moment, Becca looked back at McKenna, and she said, you know what, McKenna, I was praying for you this morning, and I want to tell you, the Lord gave me one passage. Now, this, ver- this Bible is filled with passages, <laughs> filled with them, thousands of passages, but the Lord gave me this specific passage for you. Joshua 1.9, be strong and courageous. McKenna, why do you think the Lord would do this? Why do you think the Lord would give me this passage and also give Pastor Greg the, 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 the idea to give you this gift of this journal with this specific passage on it? McKenna said, well, because I think God wants me to know that he's real and that I can have a real relationship with him. Friends, you can have a personal relationship with our God. I wonder do you have a personal relationship with the Lord? It comes through Jesus Christ who on Palm Sunday rode into Jerusalem to die on a cross for our sins that we could be forgiven, set free. That when we repent from our sins and turn to him, we were wiped clean and we can start a personal relationship with him that lasts forever, for eternity. I wonder, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? And I'm not asking, did you? I'm asking, do you? I'm also not asking, does one of your family members, your mom, your brother, your grandparents, I'm not talking about their faith. I'm talking about yours. I wonder, are you lost right now? Have you lost sight of God? I want you to know you have a good shepherd, a really good shepherd who knows where you are, who's ready to rescue you, who's ready to celebrate over your decision to place your trust in him. I can tell you, friends, from personal experience, the greatest decision that I've ever made. Now, A lot of people would look at my life and say, choosing to marry Becca was the greatest decision you ever made. It's it's, it's in second place, actually. Because the greatest decision I've ever made was to place my faith and my life in Jesus Christ, to start a walk with him, to start a relationship with him. Why? Because when I started a relationship with Jesus, this is what happened. I experienced the presence of God in my life. I can hear his voice, I speak with him. He's given me good gifts to use for his kingdom. He's given me assurance that I have hope for my future. That even when I die, I have victory over death because Jesus has victory over death and I'm gonna be with him forever. Friends, I wanna offer the opportunity for you to give your life to this Jesus today. How do you do it? You simply turn your heart to him and you pray. You say, Lord, I want to give you my life. Jesus, I want to give you my life. I want to make you the king of my life. I want to follow you. I don't want to just accept you. I don't want to just believe that you exist. I want to give you my life and I want to follow you the rest of my days. Lord, I confess that I've been wandering. I've lost sight of you. Lord, I want to see you once again. I believe if you pray a prayer like that in your own words, what happens is there's great rejoicing. There's great celebration because you've returned home. In fact, if you've prayed that prayer today, we wanna know about it. And as you look to the, the right-hand side and the upper right, you're gonna see a little tab that says action. We wanna ask you just to press that action tab and, and fill out a little card saying, I gave my life to Jesus today. You know, friends, I think there might be hundreds of you listening right now who have lost sight of Jesus, but today is the day where you see your shepherd coming towards you. And you, you just... You surrender into his arms. Allow him to lift you up and carry you home. Carry you into that personal relationship with him. We want to rejoice with you and rejoice together that you once were lost, but now you're found. And I pray that this has been a blessing to you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.